one of the most popular names in crime history. Ted Bundy seems to have taken over in a whole new sense in today's society. He's booming in pop culture, and he has numerous documentaries and movies made all about him. But who was he really, and why did he do what he did? Hi, I'm Gavin Chanda. On Forensics Files today, we're going to be looking at the case of Ted Bundy. Born November 24th, 1946, Ted Bunny was born in Vermont to Eleanor Louise Cow. She was 22 years old and unmarried when she gave birth to her son, Ted. Now, the issue at the time was she was unmarried and in her family, this was highly frowned upon. So they didn't even know who the father was and on Ted's birth certificate, it's listed as unknown. Now, it's assumed that he could have been Lloyd Marshall, an Air Force veteran and Penn State graduate, according to Ann Rule, who was a co-worker of Ted's and the author of the book, The Stranger Beside Me, which was all about him. However, it's still unknown even to this day who his father was. In 1951, Luis married Johnny Bundy. Now, while Ted took his name, he reportedly didn't have much respect for his stepfather, who he resented for being too uneducated and working class. Johnny and Luis had several children together. Now, at the time, Luis was working as a secretary at the University of Puget Sound and still married to Johnny in the 1970s when Ted was accused of his crimes. She refused to believe the charges for years, although she changed her stance after he confessed. When first looking at Bundy's life, it was one of shame and pain. Bundy's life started as his mother's secret shame, as his illegitimate birth humiliated her deeply religious parents. She delivered Ted at a home for unwed mothers in Vermont and later brought her son to her parents in Philadelphia. They went so far as to hide the fact that he was an illegitimate child to say that he was adopted by his grandparents and that his own mother was his sister. Eleanor moved with Bundy to Tacoma, Washington a few years later, and soon that's where she met his stepfather, Johnny. From the outside appearance, Bunny grew up in a content, working-class family. He did start to show unusual interest at an early age, though. He got worked up in the macabre, and around age three, he became fascinated with knives. A shy child, but very intelligent. In school, he was noted for all his academics, but his social life seemed to fail. As a teenager, a dark side of his character started to emerge. Bunny liked to peer in people's windows, and he had no issue with stealing things if he wanted them. As he grew up, he would get a degree in psychology in 1972 from the University of Washington. He had been accepted to law school in Utah, although he would never earn his degree. While a student at the University of Washington, he fell in love with a wealthy, pretty woman from California. She had everything that he was looking for in a lady, and when they broke up, he was devastated. This would be prevalent in his later attacks that all the women actually reflected this same girl. By the mid-70s, Bunny had transformed himself, becoming more outwardly confident and active in social and political matters. He would even go as far as getting a letter of recommendation for the Republican governor of Washington after working on his campaign. During this time, this is where he found his true passion. Bunny would go on to murder different college girls moving all across the states, posing as different officers, or just another fellow college student. 
In O, Bunny confessed to 36 killings of young women across several states in the 1970s, but experts believe that the final total may be closer to 100 or more. The exact number of women Bundy killed will never be known, and his killings usually followed a gruesome pattern. He often raped his victims right before beating them to death. While there is some debate as to when Bundy started killing, most of the sources say that it began around 1974. Around this time, many women in the Seattle area and some near Oregon had gone missing. Stories circulated about some of the victims last being seen in the company of a young, dark-haired man known as Ted. He would often lure his victims close to his car with the ruse of an injury. You know, he would wear a cast or use crutches, and they would help him carry things out of his car. They thought there was nothing wrong at all. But their kindness proved to be a fatal mistake. In the fall of 1974, Bundy moved to Utah to attend law school, and women began disappearing there as well. The following year, he was pulled over by the police, and a search of his vehicle uncovered a cache of burglary tools, a crowbar, a face mask, rope, and handcuffs, and he was arrested for these tools, and the police began to link him to much more sinister crimes. He was arrested in the kidnapping of Carol Durant, one of the few women to escape his clutches, and was convicted and received a 1-15 to 15 year jail sentence. However, he would escape from prison twice in 1977. The first time, he was indicted on murder charges for the death of a young Colorado woman and decided to act as his own lawyer in the case. During a trip to the courthouse library, he jumped out a window and made his first escape, and he was captured just eight days later. In December, Bundy escaped from custody again. He climbed out a hole he made in the ceiling of his cell, having dropped more than 30 pounds to fit through the small opening. Authorities didn't discover that Bundy was missing for 15 hours, giving him a huge lead over the police. After his second escape, he eventually made his way all the way down to Tallahassee, Florida, and on the night of January 14, 1978, he broke in the Chi Omega sorority house at Florida State University. He attacked four of the young female residents, killing two of them. On February 9th, Bundy kidnapped and murdered a 12-year-old girl named Kimberly Leach. These crimes would mark the end as his rampage as he was pulled over by the police that February. The most harsh evidence on him was on the bodies at the two Chi Omega murders. Almost everything had been cleaned up. There was no physical evidence and they had nothing to link anyone to the crime, except for one thing, bite marks. Police found bite marks on the bodies and were able to match his through forensic odontology to Bundy's unique and distinct bite cast that they had made. Throughout the process, they would come to find that they were a definitive match to Bundy without any question. You know, Ted Bundy's case is one full of horror full of pain and full of just overall shock. Bundy was almost given away just for the fact that he was so charming and people trusted him. They figured there was no way that he could do any of the things because he had come off so confident and so polite and nice. They trusted him and that seemed to be the fatal mistake in the end. It's interesting to see the two perspectives of someone who was so charming and outwardly confident and seemed just like any normal person, but didn't know the dark side of what was truly going on in that person's life. 
It'll go down in history as one of the most notorious serial killers and we'll never truly know just the extent of how much he did. But maybe as more and more scientific processes come out, more cases can be solved through forensic odontology, just as his was.